When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, we're going to try this again. We tried it yesterday. It did not work out. We typically sometimes, I mean, I guess it varies. Like right now we're recording. It's like 930 in the morning. Sometimes we'll do 8.30, sometimes we'll do 10, 10.30. It just depends. But yesterday, we had, you know, a plan for like 10 or 10.30. I don't remember which one, but I had like a window. And then I also do a radio show from about 2 to 4 every day uh, or most days. And so between roughly about 10 o'clock and, and 4 o'clock was this window where it's like I have to have internet. I can't survive without it because I do a lot of this stuff from home. And that's the time exactly almost we were maybe 10 minutes in when my internet went out and they said oh it'll be back around you know one o'clock and then 1 30 and then 2 30 and then it finally came on around 3 30 so the entire window that i needed it knocked it out yesterday so we're going to give this a shot again first off how you doing this morning i am doing really well and uh yeah if there's going to be a technology problem i'm probably the one right in the middle of it but uh no i'm excited to get to mailbag and makeup of the staff and tomorrow is national signing day and it just seems like uh there's a lot going on uh considering we're uh six seven months away from kickoff oh man it is not slowing down whatsoever but it makes our jobs a lot easier i, I tend to rather be talking about recruiting and, and all these guys that Alabama signing and, and NFL draft prospects and potential national championship contenders in 2022, rather than having to hop on and record a podcast talking about losing an offensive coordinator, uh, maybe like two weeks after you hired him. So it could be a lot worse, Jimmy. Today, we're actually going to be talking about several different topics. First of all, yesterday we were discussing Eric Walford. He's coming over from Kentucky. The offensive line coach, Doug Marone, is, is the expectation is that he's going to be moving on or back to the NFL. And we got a couple of mailbag questions that kind of circle around that a little bit. Um, there's also some rumors that, you know, Bill O'Brien could be heading back to the NFL. There was some connections being made to the New England Patriots should they lose, you know, McDaniels. He in, and that actually ended up happening. He is going to become, Josh McDaniels is going to become the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And so maybe there could be a reunion between Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick there in New England. There's a relationship that's already been established between O'Brien and Mac Jones from Mac helping Bill O'Brien learn the Alabama system and offense. Because when you become the offense coordinator at Alabama, you know, you're, you're, you kind of got to adopt their offense. Um, at least that was the case with Bill O'Brien. And he did a pretty good job of that. But people also need to understand when you're the one that's having to make the adjustment and not, you know, the players and the other coaches, you know, you bringing in an offense that everybody else has to learn. Instead, you're coming in and you're the one that's having to learn things that kind of keeps you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And so the job that he did at Alabama, I don't think it was as poor as people think uh, or, or make him out to be. 
it was a difficult transition, but I do think that uh, he'll do good things if he chooses to move back to the NFL. And I think that Alabama will go out there and find a capable replacement. So Jimmy, we're, we got a couple of mailbag questions that kind of surround several of these things. And then we'll be getting into uh, also some portal stuff and some recruiting stuff because tomorrow is national signing day, the official national signing day, not a whole lot going on for Alabama as far as new guys necessarily, but we'll be recapping the class. We'll be talking about any potential new additions that they get, et cetera, et cetera. But Jimmy, you ready to hop right into a couple of these questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. First of all, first question, Garrett Alley on Twitter asked, I have a question for a mailbag. How many more coaching changes will we see and what coaches could it be? Well, it could be any of them. I know. I mean, I mean, any of them because, uh, you know, Coach Saban could make a change himself or all of our coaches are subject to being hired away to, to better jobs. I mean, at any time, even maybe uh, crazy that you'd be saying this, but maybe the most secure coach on the whole staff might be Pete Golding. I mean, who would have thought that a year or two ago? But it feels true today. But uh, someone could swoop in and hire Pete as a head coach. Uh, something like that could happen. I don't think so. I'm just saying that uh, I'm not going to be completely shocked by any coaching change. But in terms of what I would predict, obviously, Bill O'Brien, that that speculation is, is out there. It's fed by people like Adam Schefter, who reported that Bill could be headed to New England. Uh, he's, been, he's been nailing stuff, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Hey, that old Tom um, Brady thing. <laughs> he, Brady thing, which uh, he took a lot of crap for, but. I mean, I knew right away. I mean, Adam Schefter's a pro. I mean, he, he's not he's not printing something of that magnitude unless he knows it to be true. And what clearly had happened in that case is Tom wanted to make the announcement himself and and didn't want it uh, didn't want it leaked out as some part of a news leak. He wanted to make the big splashy announcement himself, which is understandable. But but uh, is Bill O'Brien leaving? I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm glad we're recording now because. Uh, if we'd recorded this yesterday, I probably had a different answer. Um, I, I was convinced Bill O'Brien was leaving and go back to the NFL about a week ago or a few days ago, convinced of it. Like, well, that's that. Uh, I'm not so sure now. I'm not, I'm not positive. And it's not necessarily inside scoop so much as, as a feeling. Um, I, I, I'm, I know Coach Saban doesn't want Bill O'Brien to leave. Uh, it is a good job. He makes a lot of money. He just won a Heisman Trophy. He almost won a national championship. Um, I think Bill O'Brien would leave for the exact right situation, uh, and, and that's up to him to define. He's also got a family. He's got a child, and, and it's, it's well well known that one of his child children is a special needs child uh, that that takes special care. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm not telling you guys Bill O'Brien's staying. I'm just saying that uh, about a week ago, I thought for sure he was leaving. Now, now I'm not so sure. I, I think that's more up in the air. Uh, we've already taken special teams coordinator away from uh, Drew Svoboda and given that to the new coach, Coleman Hutzler. So I wouldn't be shocked if something happened, you know, at that position. Uh, and then defensively, uh, things look pretty set to me now uh, with uh, Pete and Hutzler and Freddie Roach and Charles Kelly and Traveris Robinson, I, that looks pretty set to me. So if there's any more changes coming, it's on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe Bill, maybe, maybe Drew Svoboda. Uh, and obviously we've already bought in the new offensive line coach, Eric Walford. So uh, 
that that's that's just kind of my thoughts on it today yeah uh well first of all i want to i meant to throw this question out there as well it's pretty much the same thing but i always want to acknowledge when someone asked a question and hampton sipper also asked on twitter how would you predict the coaching staff pans out anyone else leaving possible replacements appreciate you two answering and wanted to say how great your breakdown of the on three consensus players were one of your best pods keep it up and roll tide roll uh, thanks for the question. Meant to throw that out there. Typically, when we got a couple that are similar, I go ahead and read both of them, and I forgot to do that. Did it right yesterday, the first time through. But, of course, the Internet screwed that up. Thanks, Charter, and then screwed it up the second time. But I think you gave a great answer. It just it, it feels like that it all depends with any of these coaches. And I think this is what happened. Now, granted, I've man, I've heard everything when it comes to this whole Austin Davis situation in Auburn. Um, I've heard – you know, somebody on a Twitter space last night, some random person who has, I don't, I don't even know where they were pulling the information from. If they were pulling it, just completely making it up. If there's some kind of rumors out there, but they're talking about Austin Davis doing cocaine and his wife left him. I've heard that I've heard to me it, and, and I could be wrong, but he had been missed a ton of recruiting stuff. I think when he started to figure out, man, the college game and just the demands of recruiting 365 days a year, I don't know that I want to do this. And I think that he just got cold feet and pulled out. Now that's speculation on my part. I don't have any connections. I don't want people to say, Oh, I, you know, Clint lamb from, you know, uh, Bama on threes out here reporting that that's what happened. That's just, it, it's what it seems like happened. You know, just like it, you, you can anyways, the point being is that the recruiting demands are something that it's why I think Jim Harbaugh could very well go from, you know, Michigan to the Miami dolphins or one of these other NFL head coaching positions not saying that he's going to, because I understand that Michigan at one time was his dream job and he got that, but the demands of recruiting, you've got a lot of good coaches who are wanting to make that jump. And so if Bill O'Brien, if he enjoys the recruiting side of things and he feels like that he can continue to do that, you know, he might end up sticking around or he might say, you know what? I would tend to one rather get back with, with old Bill who he has a relationship with and a history with and, you know, go, be an NFL coordinator compared to a college coordinator. So uh, Drew Lamano, I think is how you say it, I hope. that I didn't botch that last name. But on Twitter, he asked, if Bill O'Brien departs for the NFL, could you see Nick Saban giving Dan Mullen a call, or would he stay internal and give Holman Wiggins the keys to the offense? Uh, the first one to me is more likely than the second one. Uh, I, I, I think, uh, now he may have done this in the past, but – I think ideally what Nick Saban wants in terms of the offensive coordinator is, is, is that that coach also be the quarterback coach. I think he could have an offensive coordinator and then, and, and, and just have someone fill that role and then have a second guy to be the quarterback coach. But what I don't think we're going to see Clint is an offensive coordinator. Who's also coaching another offensive position, be it the wide receivers or the offensive line or the running backs. I, I think if there's an OC that's also coaching a position. It's going to be offensive coordinator and quarterback coach under Nick Saban. So I don't see that happening for Holman Wiggins here. Although I do think that there's a chance that Holman Wiggins will be an OC for someone soon. There was even rumors this year he might move on to Virginia Tech to, to fill that role. It didn't happen yet, but I think that that might be something in his future. Dan Mullen is very interesting. Some, uh, some inside baseball for people who don't know how important this is but it really is in the hiring process at Alabama and elsewhere in the South. But Dan Mullen is represented by Jimmy Sexton. So the fact that, you know, Saban is so close to Sexton and Sexton, if he's trying to get Dan Mullen a college job, 
it's obvious where the first call would be. So for that reason alone, I consider the Dan Mullen possibility uh, very even likely. But here, here's the thing, and from people that know Dan, uh, I, I'm not convinced Dan Mullen wants to coach this year. Uh, he, he had a very bizarre situation at Florida. He went from not being on the hot seat to hot seated and fired in about five weeks uh, when it appeared he was extremely stable there. Uh, he certainly got paid a lot of money in the buyout, so he doesn't need a job. Uh, I, I don't think, this is Jimmy talking, not, not anything, else, but I don't think Dan Mullen's going to coach anywhere next year. Uh, as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach at a smaller place, uh, I think Dan Mullen's going to sit it out, maybe do TV work. Um, so, so if Alabama needs a new coordinator, and again, last week I thought they really would. This week, I'm not so sure. But uh, if Alabama needs a new offensive coordinator, uh, I, I think it's going to be someone with extensive NFL ties again. Um, very interesting question. Uh, here's the thing about Dan Mullen. A, I'm not sure his personality would, would mesh with Nick Saban. Granted, I remember us having very similar questions about Lane Kiffin back when he joined. But I also think that Lane was a lot younger. I think he was a guy who realized that he really needed to mature and kind of change his ways. Uh, if he wanted to get back to being a well-respected coach with a good job. And so, you know, what better place to go rebuild that reputation than under Nick Saban? And it worked out for him. Now he's the head coach at Ole Miss, uh, <laughs> doing well for himself, having some success. But when you talk about Dan Mullen, he's a lot older. I think he's a lot more set in his way. He's not saying that he is not going to be willing to change at all. I just don't know that he's going to go be willing to not only work under somebody as a coordinator again, what do you work under Nick Saban and those kind of demands? And the other thing that really, from a personality standpoint, that doesn't really fit, in my opinion, is that Nick Saban is like the opposite of excuses. He really doesn't make them. He doesn't like them. Dan Mullen is the king of excuses. In so many of his postgame press conferences, he was blaming other stuff and saying that he, oh, he didn't even know that uh, Marco Wilson had thrown the, the, the shoe against LSU, you know, all this stuff. It just, I don't know that their personalities would match. I could be completely wrong. You know, we'll have to see as far as Holman Wiggins is concerned, Mike Loxley was an internal hire. You know, he went from being a position coach, but here's the difference. A Loxley had coordinator experience. He had been the office coordinator at Illinois. He had been the, the office coordinator at Maryland. He had been the interim head coach at Maryland, so he had a little bit of that experience as far as having to run everything. So I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, they were willing to do it once with Mike Loxley. They might be willing to do it a second time with Wiggins. Wiggins doesn't have that kind of experience as far as being a play caller and as far as being an offensive coordinator. Um, that doesn't mean that he, they won't do it. Um, I'm just saying that those two situations are not really comparable. But, you know, you got to give Wiggins a ton of credit. He was the coach of the first ever true Heisman winning wide receiver and Devontae Smith, very well respected, has recruited well at the receiver position. You just look at the guys who Alabama is bringing in at that position. I think he's definitely trending towards being a very successful coach. I just don't know that he's ready. And I don't think that Alabama, they, they kind of made that decision with Tosh Lapoy, where he became the defensive coordinator. And then I think they realized, okay, he might be, this might've been a little too soon. He might be a little in over his head and uh, they kind of, let him kind of walk, go to the NFL, and then they promoted a guy from within who had been there, and Pete Golding, who had defensive coordinator experience. So 
I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the route that they go, even though I think it's possible if the players advocate for it and they're that's one thing Loxley had in his favor is the guys were really going to bat for him and wanted him as the guy. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, never say never, but some potential candidates. I've heard Joe Brady's name get thrown around. The Panthers' offensive coordinator, he was fired, but he was the passing game coordinator for Joe Burrow in that LSU offense in uh, in 2019. And, you know, it's just a matter of how much of that offense did he really call? You know, how much of a hand did he have in the design of it? And even if he did have a huge part in it, how much was he involved as far as the play-to-play calls? Um, I, I've heard conflicting things, and I don't really know. But I guarantee you Nick Saban knows. And if he feels confident that he has that experience and that he did very well in that role, he might go out and get a guy like that. Or maybe Joe Brady went to Carolina, got tr- a true play-calling role, and they figured out, okay, maybe he's not ready for this. And he ended up getting fired. Or he was made the scapegoat in Carolina. That's a possibility too. Uh, but other guys, I know that Garrett Riley, the the new – TCU offense coordinator, he recently left the same position at SMU. He just took that position at TCU, but if Alabama came calling, I could see him listening. I've heard Tom Herman. I've heard Kendall Browles, even though Browles, I think, just re-upped with, with Arkansas, and I think he plans to stick around. I've heard Freddie Kitchens, uh, the Giants tight end coach. He was the interim offensive coordinator earlier this year to finish out their season. I thought he did a great job in the – very small amount where he went from being the running backs coach with the Cleveland Browns to being the offensive coordinator when that was his only role. I thought he did fantastic. I thought he was innovative. I thought he had a great feel for things. Once he got elevated to head coach and he had all those other responsibilities, I think he kind of was not ready for that role, tailed off a little bit and ended up getting fired after just one season. But I think as far as being an offensive coordinator, there's a lot of promise there with Freddie Kitchens. It's just, I don't know if that would be an option or not. Next question on the list, and I guess they both kind of go hand in hand, so we'll go ahead and read both of them. But Ralph on Twitter asked, could we see a tight end from the transfer portal, or do you think Saban is happy with Latou, Oots, and the freshman coming in? And then the second question is from Bama Nation on Twitter. Is Nick Saban and company finished with recruiting the 2022 class, whether that be transfer portal, unsigned players, et cetera? Well, the second uh, question first, uh, well, there's two players they're waiting on tomorrow, uh, National Signing Day, Danny Lewis, a tight end from New Iberia, Louisiana, and Jalen Farmer, an offensive guard from Covington, Georgia. They're waiting on final decisions from them tomorrow. Uh, both could choose Alabama. Both could choose somewhere else. Uh, I think it's one of those situations, Clint, where they would like to have both. They wouldn't have offered him if, if that wasn't the case. They would like to have both. But I also don't think this, this isn't a, a – an Earl Little or Ty Simpson situation. I think if Jalen Farmer or Danny Lewis uh, chose somewhere else or ended up somewhere else, I don't think they would they would necessarily lose a lot of sleep over it. I, I think they just feel like they'd be good fits with what we're trying to do long term. I don't think either one is an instant impact guy. They're sort of developmental uh, prospects, but but those are two signees they're waiting on. I do believe Alabama will be very active in the portal again once spring practice closes. I, I don't think between now and spring practice is going to be a very active time uh, just because kids are now starting to go to school where they're at. Most kids are enrolled where they're going to be at this spring, and then they'll make decisions about whether to stay or go uh, based on spring practice. That's going to happen for Alabama as well. I think Alabama is going to have guys leave and, and maybe one or two more come in uh, the portal uh, post-spring. Uh, as far as tight end, and would they be looking for someone out of the portal uh, 
I think it's just Alabama's general uh, attitude about the portal as it relates to tight end in, in the sense that I, I do think Alabama is content with what they have at tight end. I think they feel they can win with a Latu and Oost as a blocker and maybe Amari Knobloch as a pass receiver. Uh, I, I think they, they feel like they've got the pieces there to be pretty good at tight end. And Latu is a proven guy. It's not like uh, they got to wonder with him. I mean, he's, he's a, a quality SEC tight end, even led the SEC in touchdown catches for, out of the tight end position. I think they're content, but if they can upgrade, they would do it. If, if someone got in the portal that they had a, a good shot to sign and, and that kid is, they feel would definitely upgrade the position. I think they would definitely do it. Uh, but that's different than scouring the portal for, gee, we're not happy with what we have at tight end. We've just got to go get another tight end. I, I don't think that's their their attitude at all. I think it's just we can win with what we got, but if there is a clear opportunity to upgrade, we would go do that. I think you put that perfectly in the sense that Nick Saban and Alabama, they're not really recruiting the portal out of desperation. They're going out there to find guys, specific guys that they feel like fills a need that can provide them with an upgrade. They're not just going to bring a guy in if he's not better than somebody they already have on the roster, they're not bringing him in. They're not doing it just to build more depth or whatever. They're already kind of in a numbers crunch. They've gotten some guys to come back like Kendall Randolph, who, you know, obviously he was pitched to come back and the coaching staff wants him, but you know, that's an, that's one that was kind of supposed to be moving on. Who's not that now increases your number. So the, the point being is it's kind of like, at, you know, I'd heard that Alabama was looking to the transfer portal to add an experienced receiver. That's something that they wanted, but they weren't just going to go get anybody. They, they wanted the right fit. When Jermaine Burton became available, he was the right fit. If a certain you know LSU receiver, had he become available in the transfer portal, he would have fit that bill too as far as being an experienced guy, a talented player could come in and be a headliner, and he brings experience to the table. That's the kind of guy that Alabama wanted, and they got that in Jermaine Burton. I think the same situation at tight end, if the right guy becomes available, I think they go out and they target him and they try to get him. But it's just it's not just going to be anybody just to do. Now, here's what I, I'm not entirely sure about the tight end position right now because for me, on paper, I think you've got plenty of experience with Cameron Latou, a guy who's very balanced. He's going to be your starter. You've got Oots who had shown some promise, had gotten a little bit of playing time as a true freshman. You've got two very talented freshmen coming in, including Amari Black, who we talked about being that move tight end who can flex out wide. You still got Caden Clark. So, you know, I, I feel like that the tight end position in a lot of ways, is it like super strong? No, maybe not. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't really think that, that was a position that they necessarily needed another guy. But the, the coaching staff had Jalil Skinner. He was committed. They had kind of overloaded the position a little bit. He decommits. And then you think, okay, still think they're fine with the two guys that they signed. Don't think that's really viewed as a huge deal. But despite the fact that Alabama is kind of in a numbers crunch, they're still targeting a guy like Danny Lewis. You know, he's a three-star prospect. I think they see something they like in him, from a, whether it be a developmental standpoint or maybe they think that they might not agree with the rankings and where he's currently rated at. I certainly don't agree with it for, you know, Jalil Farmer. I think he should be rated a lot higher. But so that might be a reason that they're targeting him. Or they might say, okay, we see enough there, but we really we want to add more competition and more future bodies to the competition at the tight end position. And we think Danny Lewis can give us something. So I'm not, I don't think they're necessarily set and they feel just phenomenal or fantastic about the tight end position. 
I just also don't think they're going to go out there and target just anybody. I think they have specific guys in mind that they'll kind of go after. Do I think they're done with the 2022 class? Pretty much. It's either one of those two players committing or both of them committing. Don't really see a whole lot happening tomorrow because, you know, Walter Bob is the only current guy in the class who has not signed and he's not going to sign. That was that news was made available yesterday. He's going to go the Juco route for, you know, a year and a half, two years as his high school head coach had revealed. And the Alabama coaching staff, according to that head coach, uh, knew all along that that was the plan, that he was not going to be able to qualify academically. And so that's not someone that they were relying on. Um, But, all right, that's going to do it for today's episode. We're going to be back tomorrow talking a lot about the, the 2022 signing class. Jimmy, as far as anything that we've already talked about or anything that you want to add, you got anything else? No, just looking forward to our signing day show tomorrow, uh, even though we're only, you know, looking at two kids who may or may not choose Alabama tomorrow. As far as I'm concerned, tomorrow is sort of a celebration of all the new kids that entered the class. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, the, those kids, those 23 kids or so that signed with us in uh, December. And uh, we'll talk about all of them, the Ty Simpsons, uh, the Emmanuel Hendersons, uh, Earl Little, all of them, uh, because tomorrow is signing day and those are the true freshmen. So I'm excited about the whole group, not just on uh, Danny Lewis and Jalen Farmer watch. Absolutely. And, and we're eventually going to be getting into like position previews leading up to spring training and kind of what we did with the on three consensus players uh, ended up being five stars. We talked about them, broke them down you know, we're going to kind of be taking the same approach with really all the players, just where certain positions stand, the incoming guys, where we think they can fit, the guys who are going to be returning, you know, who are we projecting to start or who are involved in the competitions. We're going to be diving into it heavily and probably, you know, time it up kind of perfectly where we can do maybe one a week all the way up until the start of spring training. Uh, I'll have to look at the calendar and see how that lines up. A couple of weeks we might have to do two or you know, might have to wait a little while before we get started or something like that, but we'll be taking a look at it and we'll certainly be bringing you guys all the, the in-depth stuff as far as the roster is concerned. And then we'll be able to do it again once spring is over as we get kind of into the summer and we start gearing up for fall camp. We'll do it again and, and pretty much the exact same thing. Think because a lot will change. Guys will enter the portal. They'll probably target some more guys like Jimmy said after the spring. And then, you know, we'll have a better idea of, of guys who are in competitions and who's projected to start. And some guys might have already won the job or whatever. We'll be breaking all that stuff down. So certainly looking forward to doing that with you, Jimmy. Should be a lot of fun. We appreciate you guys tuning in to yet another episode of the Bam on 3 show, and we will talk to you guys soon. This is Clint Lamb, and we're out.